0: Thank mm-hmm. you. And welcome to the latest episode of Let Me Tell You Something's Silver Screen Visions. A series within the series of Let Me Tell You Something, in which myself, your regular Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen, and with me as always is the Max Oleska to my Ivan Gonzalez.
1: Simon Cross.
0: And in this particular series, Silver Screen Visions, we talk about A film, a TV program, a documentary, something within the visual medium that is about, around, included in the narrative, the world of professional wrestling. For this one, Simon, we've gone with a six-episode full series, and given how lazy we are, yes, you better believe those are a half-hour British sitcom episodes. (laughs) Already Britain's longest-running show. (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about today, Simon?
1: We are talking about season one of Deep Heat. Now for something very special. Only an idiot would want to be arrested, risking your life for a pretend fight. But it's also the greatest show in the world, and we love it. Are you idiots? Ready to show what we can do? This is the saddest thing I've ever seen. Deep Heat, Monday the 28th of March on ITV2 and ITV Hub.
0: A uh, sitcom set within the world of... Well, I don't know. It's like it's in its whole self-contained world for the most part, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to give a better idea to people what the basic concept of the program is, Simon? It's a, it's a new addition.
1: It's a story of a young girl called Holly who helps her mum run a wrestling promotion, on which her brother's the main star. But her brother betrays her mother and goes off to form his own wrestling promotion, scooping with him half of the roster. The more, the bigger, more Vince McMahon-friendly half of the roster, roster. With, the ex- with one notable exception, but I think Vince loves dwarfs anyway i'm babbling though so what holly does is take the salvage remnants of her mum's promotion and tries to get the roster together to perform at their scheduled biggest show of the year their wrestlemania if you will
0: and it's how we get from that's the setup in episode one and the final episode is that big spectacle event and the four episodes in between are how they get there it's set around the northwest of england Though I don't think it's meant to be Liverpool and Manchester, but it's meant to be Mm. towns set around the towns on the outskirts of those areas. Yeah, There's at least a couple of Scouse and Mancunian accents in the show. Although they really do sort of come from everywhere, I suppose. But yes, much like, I don't know if the writers and stars of the show, Max and Ivan, took the... Mitsuhara Masawa-led departure of the majority of all Japan talent into Pro Wrestling NOAH as the launching point of this show. If he did, I hope he didn't mention it in the pitch meeting to the ITV2 bosses. <laughs> You know! <laughs> NOAH! Leaving only Toshiaki Kawada and Masanobu Fushi! Come on! I don't think this is like George Costanza trying to pitch the show. <laughs> <laughs> This is the show! <laughs> so, this was something where... I mean, were you even aware of this show until I brought it to your attention, Simon?
1: I was not. It had not made zero impact on my radar whatsoever.
0: So I suppose this is something that I've always been... not necessarily aware of this show, but the, partic- the key creative talents behind it, I've been uh, an active follower of for the longest time now. So... In 2010, I did my show at the Edinburgh Fringe, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, which later Spawn the book, which really was what led ultimately to this podcast existing since you saw the first test performance of that in the Bedworth Arts Centre. Yep. A year later, there's the biggest event of the year at the Fringe is this show called The Wrestling, that takes place in The Pleasance Grand. The Pleasance is the biggest venue for comedy in Edinburgh, or the most high-profile venue for comedy in Edinburgh. And The Grand, where it was put on, is their biggest venue. And the key creative forces behind that show are a comedy sketch duo called Max and Ivan. Max, in particular, is the driving force behind it because before he took up comedy with his comedy sketch performing partner, Ivan, he was a professional wrestler.
1: Oh.
0: He also, I don't know if he is still to this day, but for the longest time, he's been a writer for Esquire magazine. And if you Google him, you'll see a couple of articles in Esquire. One about his life as a childhood wrestling fan. As, as a young wrestling fan, he fell in love with it at 11 years old. His first taste of it was going around to a friend who had Sky TV in 1998, and seeing The Undertaker and Paul Bearer try to kidnap Steve Austin and embalm him before coming to to you know, It's, a, um, for an impressionable 11-year-old.
1: You know, your standard stuff. Standard child <laughs> stuff.
0: And so from there, yeah. Max became obsessed. And one of the things that Max had going for him as a piece of good fortune was that he grew up around Portsmouth. Mm. And Portsmouth was the location of the FWA training camp. And around oh, the yeah. late 90s, early 2000s, especially the early 2000s, the FWA was the big name in British wrestling. And so he had the good fortune of being around where some of the big names are. And he said in his, in the article that he managed to get time training with the likes of Bret Hart, Brian Danielson, and even Mitsuhara Misawa. <laughs> which, if we ever get the chance to get him on the show, we'll have to talk to him about that. And that was what he was doing. He was, he was like the debut when he was about fifteen or so. He claims that he was the youngest active pro wrestler in the country. Now, I was going to shows in Birmingham with literally thirteen-year-olds wrestling mm. because that's how British wrestling goes. So I don't know if that's a full claim, but it might be within like the more legitimate end of it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Although the Knight family, you can imagine. Yes. Some yeah. of those. Yeah. Started <laughs> young.
0: They, they, they were headlocked and they came out of the womb. Exactly. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> oh, God. I'm not going to make the joke. Uh, so... <laughs> Don't. <laughs> so, Max took to wrestling, and that was his big passion, until he went to university. And he's saying, like, already his body was battered and bruised and he also his other big love at the time was comedy he'd always been a person that wanted to be creative he came from a creative family he met Ivan Gonzalez they formed the comedy sketch duo double act and then they started doing sketches in London whilst doing other jobs and like I said became a writer for Esquire magazine and um yeah just and, and doing comedy and then I don't know if they saw my show in the program and that sparked them saying What could we do? Because if this little thing, like, I'm not saying, I don't think he saw the show. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) No, I'm not trying to be egotistical. Some people probably did. Fucking Brendan Burns came to see the show. It caught attention because it was a unique premise. So maybe that's just something that, like, not even realizing that they'd seen it triggered the conversation. And so a year later, they're doing the wrestling show. And then they started doing it every other year. So they did a show in 2011, 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2017. Okay. I went to all four of those shows. I think I pretty much sat around the same place each time. That wasn't, like, intentional the second time, but when I realised I'd sat around the same place, I thought, well, let's see if I can make this a thing. thing. Yeah. And it was fascinating to watch, and each show was a different kind of presentation. And some of the people they got in were some fantastic stars like then and for the future and you could tell there were a lot of comedians that were into wrestling by the ones that really tried to do some proper stuff (laughs) like a guy (laughs) called tom tuck and i still to this day remember him doing a fantastic fisherman suplex (laughs) perfect but there were other ones that were like there was a guy the first year i can't even remember his name now but he was causing trouble he was like making himself the center of attention and genuinely seeming to piss off some of the wrestlers. And the guys that they were getting the first year in 2011, you had Johnny Moss, Noam Dar, I think was on it. And biggest of all, Puck, just before he was about to sign for the WWE as Neville. Oh, and he ends the show with a shooting star press. And it was just fantastic seeing these comedians and wrestlers coming together and just pulling it off the insanity. Brendan Burns, the guy that came to see my show was doing co-commentary with a guy called Andrew Maxwell, an Irish comedian. Yeah. And so Brendan was supposed to be for the side of the baddies. Andrew Maxwell was supposed to be for the side of the goodies. And so very early on, Andrew Maxwell started up a chant of fair play, decency, fair play, decency. <laughs> and that was like the watch chant of those shows for the next four. Oh, dear. <laughs> for the next seven, for the next six years. And, um, the first two shows were built around a structure of two sides, good and evil. Ivan literally hits Max with a steel chair at <laughs> <laughs> the start of it to set off them as parts of competing uh, camps. And it was so funny, the difference in uh, athletic... <laughs> like, those moments where it actually gets proper, like, running the ropes, serious wrestling. And Brenda's just, just yells out, For God's sake, get the comedians out of there! <laughs> <laughs> But then Max is genuinely able to do all the movements still. You know, he was a yeah. proper good agile. And, like, Andrew Maxwell just went, wow, Max can actually wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> and they do everything. They do the diving sequences to the outside. Angelos Epithemu was in it. Uh, I can't remember. How that the hell that. did that work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this, yeah, well, he tried to do a move off the top rope. It didn't work out for anyone involved.
1: <laughs> Amazing. It's got an image of his shopping bag going through the air now. Yeah. <laughs> the,
0: the, the show ends, like I said, with a like, big diving sequence, including Max doing a somersault plancher onto loads of people, landing on the concrete and like, shattering his ankle. He then had to do the rest of the actual Edinburgh fringe run of his show with like a, a, a plaster cast boots Ooh. on. <laughs> yeah. But they came back two years later, the crazy bastards, and did it all over again. And that was again the same. I think Ardlo Hanlon and Tim Vine were the captains of the respective teams. They didn't wrestle, but they were like. Uh, okay. And so they were playing wrestling characters. Like Tim Vine was Dr. Pun Ishman. Oh, um... <laughs> uh, and like I said, they kept getting really impressive wrestlers. Mark Haskins was there. Marty Skirl got involved one year. Mm. He was. At the start of the show, him and Mike Wozniak started brawling around backstage, and that was like a running theme for <laughs> the rest of the show. That him and... <laughs> and that was the third, like they were all they were all brilliant shows, but the that was the third one was probably the best show overall because the second half of the show like they had one or two matches beforehand, including Colt Banner having a match against Tom Parry from Pappy's. As Tom the Parallel Parker the wrestling (laughs) ticket inspector he gave him a proper match and I got really nervous because Colt finished it with a top rope moonsault and those ropes were shaky as fuck but then the second half of the show was one massive Royal Rumble and again some of the names they got names that just went on to become even bigger names afterwards James A. Caster came out as James James A. Caster A. (laughs) Caster And they just did like a traditional Royal Rumble. J- James A. Castor basically did the Santino Morella sort of spot. He comes out, and it's always a surprise every time you don't know who's coming out. It might be a wrestler, it might be <laughs> a comedian. And James A. Castor comes out going To Survivor by Destiny's Child. I'm James A. Castor. I'm James A. Castor. I'm James A. Castor. I'm James A. Castor. Gets into the ring. Gets a cookie tray to the head and goes out immediately, <laughs> flying over the top row. <laughs> and Ashleen B arrived as Ashleen Revenge for the Famine B, where <laughs> she came out and she had like a, a an Irish tricolour cape that was like, fifth, like twenty feet long, being carried by Catherine <laughs> Ryan, dressed as a nun. <laughs> and... <laughs> And Marty Skrull, now knowing what we know, it's not quite so entertaining, picks her up for like a Gorilla Press slam. There's photos of it online and everything. And I think she ended up, they then did like the classic Rey Mysterio sort of thing where she turns it into a Hurricane Rana and eliminates him.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And then the fourth and final show, the one in 2017. At that point, far too many male wrestlers, as Brendan Burns points out, far too many male wrestlers were getting ripped. And it wasn't right. (laughs) Like, uh, what's his name? Joel Domit? Is that it? The guy who hosts quite a lot of stuff on TV? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was in... He was... And he just shredded. And and so Brendan got the crowd chanting, uh, singing, Joel's dick, Joel's dick, Joel's dick, Joel's dick. And then this woman <laughs> behind him just yelled out, Joel's everything! <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of them then did a ladder match. And that there were moments in the ladder match that genuinely got me worried. Like, yeah. these guys are going to take it. If it keeps going, these guys are really going to start taking it too far.
1: Cash your chips, get out the table.
0: <laughs> and I think that's what they did. Because they didn't do a show in 2019, which would have been the time to do the fifth one. And then obviously the pandemic happens, So 2020 and 2022 are the first times since 2008. Eight that i haven't gone up to edinburgh either to do my own show or to see shows yeah but i became a Maxine fan from that and i saw loads of their other shows and what they did was they would do these big quite not convoluted is the wrong way of putting it but quite grand scale ensemble pieces where they are literally playing every character in the ensemble yeah Except there might be one character that they bring someone out from the audience. I remember there was one guy brought out from the audience to play air guitar and that was all set up and then he was given his big payoff at the end of the show. And they would switch between characters like within the scene. I think like maybe Max has a crush on another character also played by Max or something. And I think they've done ones with like a school u- school reunion and they did another one which was I think it was a heist. I might be wrong there. Okay. So they're a really good comedy act outside of the wrestling show. So I became a fan of theirs through their comedy. And they've also, they appeared in 2012, the sitcom for that. They've done bits and bobs of work here and there.
1: Right, okay.
0: But I believe this, I'm just going to quickly look up their credits for the first on, on here. I believe this is their first show that they are the like driving creative forces behind as far as writing it goes. Hmm. So, yeah, actor, yeah, he was in W1A, Deep Heat. Uh He's in an episode of Peep Show. That's interesting. He was in a, oh he's been quite a few episodes of Bad Alts. As a writer, they have some credits for, like, Horrible Histories and Comedy Blaps. Uh, okay. Looks like that might be actually the reunion. That suggests that might be, I think that might be the school reunion. They tried to make a show out of that as well. But D Pete is the first show where they are credited as the creators and the writers of the show. So, I had hope for this, because, let's be honest, to people in the UK, a sitcom from ITV2 does not fill you with the highest hopes on an artistic level.
1: No, no, there, have, uh, uh, there was, what, Plebs, for example, is the only other one I can think of.
0: I've never watched Plebs, I've, I've heard it's pretty good, but you know no. what I mean, it's, don't, it doesn't have a great batting, you know, the other thing is, it's not, basically ITV2 was just the Keith Lemon channel, as far as I was concerned. Uh, And it held TOWIE for ages I think Katie Brand's show was on that. That was quite successful, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it was reality shows. That's why, before World of Sport, before they tried to do WOS Wrestling, go back to our archives, you want to listen to us gradually lose our minds talking about (laughs) it. Before then, I was saying, there's an ITV2 version of wrestling that could really work. And I still, to this day, think a British wrestling show should be on ITV2 and it should have a tone that's raunchier and funnier. Yeah, That would have been the way I would have gone about it. And DP does have that. It, it does have raunch and it has humour. What it also has, like so many sitcoms, is a stuttering start. And the big problem, like, I read a, like, I've looked up to see if there are any reviews out there. There are a couple, pretty much all of them, Are about the first episode. Mm. And the first episode of this show is by far the weakest. Because the first episode of nearly every sitcom is the weakest episode of the sitcom.
1: Yeah. You've got a big table to set. Especially with a lot of different characters as well. So on this
0: show, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven characters that are in every episode. And that's not including the mum and the brother that you mentioned before, who... Actually, the brother might have been in every episode, but, like, someone's brother is seen episode, in, like, a, a yeah. video or something. Yeah. But he's not necessarily interacting with the characters there and there. Because, and to be fair, I think that one of the reasons behind that is those two actors are the biggest stars that they have in the show. So mm. I wonder if they maybe couldn't afford them. Because it's clearly a show on a budget. Yes. But it kind of works because these are wrestling promotions on a budget. Yeah. Because, to give you an idea, so those cast members are Richard Fleishman, who plays the self-centred brother who, as you say, leaves with all the best members of the roster. Nick Nitro. To form Nitro Pro Wrestling, named after himself. Well, he seems to be known most of all for Coronation Street. He was Craig Harris in Coronation Street. Although, actually stopped being on that show in two thousand and six so it's maybe not as bigger. <laughs> although he was in the Four Weddings and a Funeral series, the remake that Mindy Kaling wrote. So he's he's got some good credits on his name. Yeah. He was also in um Call the Midwife. He's been in an episode of that. So and I have to say I think he does a good job for who he's supposed to be playing. Yes. And the biggest name for me anyway is Pippa Haywood, who I know through the British Empire, where she's Mr. Britus's long-suffering wife. Mm. But I think other people will know her maybe best of all for Greenwing, where she's, like, a... I don't even know how to describe her character. I don't know how to describe anyone's character on Greenwing. But she's got loads and loads of credits. Is she an office she's... administrator yep. in Greenwing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has, like, an affair with the Mark Heaps character.
1: Yes, 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 I know, I know, Yeah she's very
0: good in that very
1: good in green wing
0: but she's your typical mouthy patriarch uh, matriarch sorry of the company i mean again there's elements of war like a panther in this there's a lot of fighting with my family i wouldn't be surprised if they were able to get it commissioned because of the success of fighting with my family yeah which i don't think you've watched yet have you I have not, no. That was the plan one. We will do it soon, but probably not anytime soon, given that we've done this and walked like a panther. We need to change up our our subject matters. We can't just have a ragtag bunch of working class Brits <laughs> putting on wrestling shows with promotions. They of about sell five. Them. <laughs> yeah. This this is where you get into like what you know about wrestling. One thing I do know about wrestling is that a wrestling promotion needs more than three wrestlers.
1: <laughs> yes. But again, it's not their fault they only have three wrestlers, yeah. is it?
0: <laughs> Before, they had six. Yeah. Like we said, this is Bilko. This is Dad's Army. This is, again, most obvious comparison, especially considering its location. It's Phoenix Knights. It's a ragtag group of characters. Yeah. All coming together. Caring a lot about a world that the outside world doesn't
1: really give much for shit about. <laughs> you know. Trying to become, like, king of their little, like, molehill.
0: Yeah, it's well past but, its glory days. Yeah. Like, the, the working men's club that Brian Potter runs in Phoenix Knights, it's not the, the go-to place of the town community anymore. anymore. But those yeah. that go, they're in a constant battle with the other working men's club. Yeah. And with this one, it's... Th- they're wrestling in front of small crowds who don't really give a toss one way more- <laughs> <laughs> what their show is,
1: well, that's very not fair, much...
0: actually, but they, they have one very passionate fan,
1: <laughs> yes, yes, uh, who's used really like I think the way Mango, the woman you're referring to, or how she refers to herself, I think she has like I can't remember it if she has like an actual name in the show or not. That eludes that me at this time. She's really used as a way to like sew the story along at times, she's like the bridge. Basil Exposition sort of role. Yeah, she's the bridge between the two federations as the episode goes on.
0: Yeah, she's like a huge Nick Nitro fan, but she does feel some sort of loyalty to Boss Pro Wrestling, or maybe just wants to go to every British rest, every show that's in this part of northwestern England. Maybe she's got vlogs for literally every tiny promotion yeah. showing on.
1: I think she just loves wrestling, and the fact that there's now two promotions yeah. works in her favour. And, of course, she does have a soft spot for Nick Nitro.
0: So... Let's, I think the big prom, uh, as we've already said, the first episode is the weakest one because it's the play-setting episode. There are, like, there's a dozen named characters in this show, yeah. I would say. And at least eight regulars that are part of the key show that have their own internal, they're supposed to have their own internal lives and mm. narratives. And it's a big ask. It is a big ask. And I am starting to become convinced that Every sitcom should write their pilot episode where everyone gets together and you find the, the you get the premise. Yeah. Then you write your second episode where you re-establish the premise. Then you write your third episode, which is everyone's in place and you go from there. And the third episode is the first one that you actually film and produce and show. <laughs> to give you an idea, the best sitcom pilot I've seen in a long time is an old british pilot i'll put it this, as well is a show from 40 years ago because i've recently rewatched a lot of allo allo uh, okay and the first episode of allo allo is a genuine kind of eye opening experience especially if you haven't watched it for a long time pretty mm. much every character is set in place the location's set in place everyone knows each other already at this point they int- that episode introduces to the other characters the two british airmen yes who they can't understand but everyone else is in place and pretty much every catchphrase is almost in place the only mm. addition they make after this in series two is the british undercover police officer who goes good morning, oh. you know yeah i was just pissing by the window And the thing with the lower low is every episode is pretty much the same joke over and over. (laughs) The same jokes from previous shows. 80% of those jokes are established in this episode. (laughs) It's like, I think at most you should introduce one new character to that world, but not even necessarily have them be the most important character. But that seems to be the way that they go. Everyone else has established relationships and one character comes in and so you can introduce all that to them.
1: Fire that, yeah.
0: Yeah, like... Rachel entering the Friends world in Friends. Diane entering Cheers for the first time at the start of Cheers. Yeah. If you put everyone into a new situation, you've got to explain what the current situation is and the new situation. Already, it's kind of a mess of things. Mm. Because the first two episodes of this show aren't great. They aren't very good at all. And they're the ones that get reviewed. And they're the ones that people watch. And they give up on it. And that is a real shame because episodes 3 to 6 of this show vary from good to genuinely one episode I think I would rate as excellent.
1: Okay, okay.
0: That's my initial thoughts. Yeah. Are you of a similar kind of disposition?
1: I am like like cards on the table I binged this. Uh I watched it all back to back to back to back and after episode 2 I'm like okay, I uh, okay, uh, I I I don't really Know what to say, but three and four are for me, they were significant gear changes from uh one and two, and then that got me hooked after, after like episode four. I'm like, okay, I, I really want to see the story to its conclusion now.
0: And then because it's a British sitcom, that's coming up in the next two episodes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the problem,
0: it's like a third of its run is just getting itself into the right places. Uh, But with the third one, what what works with the third one actually is that you have these established characters and they're now, like, the we're following the boss pro wrestling team. Yes. Led by Holly, who has always wanted to wrestle, but her mum won't let her wrestle. For reasons Mm. never quite fully explained. Just for the sake of it. Like, at one point, uh, early on you realise that she has a hearing aid. And I was wondering if that's why it was for fear of her hearing. But there's no point where she says that's not why.
1: No, no. Um, the character, jo- Johanna James, has a hearing aid herself. Yes. So I think they just worked that in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that, that kind of surprised me so they didn't do anything with that.
1: I'm fine for representation they, they, of people,
0: you know. They do but...
1: use it once. At, they use it twice in key moments, actually, the hearing aid and her deafness, to establish her relationships with two key characters. You've got Nick... Grabbing it off of her and yelling into it. I can't remember what episode that's Nick in.
0: being her brother.
1: Yeah. And the character that Max plays... Jack. Uh, Jack he uh, signs an apology to her at the bar once. Because he misspells it. Which is a joke within itself. But it shows that he does care.
0: Well, that's it. They're also putting in a will-they-won't-they romance between those two. Yeah. That's the thing. There's, there's so many characters with so many internal conflicts. And you've got six episodes... Six 20-minute episodes, basically. I didn't realise ITV sitcoms were that short now. I think it's only 21 episodes. 21 minutes per episode. Yeah, I didn't know that yeah. ads were that many now. I really genuinely didn't know. I thought like, mm. back in my day watching ITV sitcoms, I thought they were usually about 25, 26.
1: You get, get to 25s to 27s. Like yeah. Mm. But ad- ads rule the rules. Now, Johanna James, uh, out of all the main actors, her Holly's Mum aside, that's the one I knew the most, prior to this because she she got i've seen some of her initial like breakout uh facebook comedy videos where it'd be like the swearing uh the nun with fake swear words chicken nugget yoga there's one there's one about like a duvet being stolen between a couple as well that's where i'd seen her so I'm like oh when i when it twigged about the second time i saw her on screen i'm like oh this is cool i'm glad she's like you know Got a lead in something. I want to see where this goes. And she is a good lead for the show. Yeah. My issues
0: always were how cluttered it was. But then when they found their footing, it got better. The show I'm actually going to compare it most to, which I think may come as a surprise to you, is 30 Rock. With 30 Rock, it is kind of a behind-the-scenes, eccentric characters. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, there are just sudden one-liners that are just pure perfectly written gold oh yeah that are just scattered around it everyone will get one or two lines that are absolutely fantastic just within their own like self-contained
1: sentence yes yeah
0: and john thompson got one towards the end of because he comes in like i said that's where it starts working from the third episode when you bring in a new ingredient to what you already know and how it affects the different characters because he's Playing Ivan's character's long lost father, and he's this great, well, South American. I suppose it seems like it's a cliché Mexican thing, but not really.
1: I think Argentinian because of like the panther. Yeah, he mentions the Falklands be, yeah. that he used the Falklands in yes. a promo or two. I think he's meant to be playing like a Lothario, an L- Argentinian Lothario.
0: Yes, and is uh, one of his last lines because he's planning to do all this stuff for the promotion. You know, he's just one of those people who comes in is a user and then a. Um, dumps them yeah but he's very honest about it he says i am leaving for my true love in this world slightly more money
1: (laughs) such a wrestling line as well i think uh, that's, that's that's i think that's a nod that's a sleazy scumbag line really it's just that the overlap on the venn diagram is quite large between wrestling and sleazy scumbags
0: there are lots of those great little lines they give nick nitro Loads of little fun lines like that. Like though might be the only lines he has. One of the key things they make is kind of post-speaking out. It's less immediately charming, but his predilection towards I think he says I've been I've been running fifteen freshers fairs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like fifteen freshers weekends in a, in a right. row. Or Fre- something. Four.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then quickly corrects himself. And then the line where there's a line in one of the episodes where he's like, fuck his all. Not the men, obviously. And not me sister. Not you. (laughs) (laughs) He is
0: very good for like, it's a very broad performance. It's a very two-dimensional performance. Yeah. But I think it's fine enough because British comedy is traditionally of that broad nature. Sometimes it can be a bit much. But it's about wrestlers anyway. Wrestlers are larger than life characters to begin with for the most part. Mm. But for me, the episode that I loved in this run is the fourth episode. I, if I was to say, don't watch anything, if I was just say, like, give you one episode to watch, it's the fourth episode, where they go to, I think it's called, Ponkins? Yeah. <laughs> What's it called? Potkins. Yes. Now, as a kid, who did grow up, not being able to afford, going to the Butlins, and the Pontins of this world, and instead going to, cheaper alternatives, that did put on wrestling shows, that were literally only four people. Mm-hmm. That have two singles matches and then they have a tag team match, or they have a four man battle royal, and then they have a singles match or a tag team match. <laughs> this rung true, and there's so many great jokes throughout it. That they're having so much fun, not just about wrestling, but about the shoddiness of the the situation they're in. Yeah, and the very very tuned out, disconnected man in charge of the holiday campsites who's just inherited it from his dad or his granddad. Very lacklustre, reciting a, po- uh, a little poem of introduction yeah. that's covering all the legal situations. And there's just so many wonderfully dropped little liners where he's walking them through around somewhere and he goes, and yeah, due to a couple of complaints from the Trade Descriptions Act about the lack of craziness, we're only allowed to call it odd golf.
1: the walls are pretty thin reinforced cardboard actually
0: (laughs) (laughs) and because it fixed them all at this location that allowed you to see how each character reacts to it and so the old school wrestler who for the whole first episode I was trying to figure out is that Bobby Davro
1: (laughs) you're referring to Clifford the what's he called the gentleman wrestler what's his
0: yes yeah and he's old school in the truest sense of the game, of the word. He was in Rogue One. Yeah. He's got a lucky razor yes, blade. Yeah. the rusty razor blade.
1: Loves a beverage as well.
0: Yes. That's the thing. He's a raging alcoholic. And so he's just taking advantage of the free booze. So the big, actually maybe the biggest star for a lot of people is Sharon Rooney. Who people will know for my m- mad fat life. Is that what it's called? My mad fat diary. I, think. I never saw the show. Yeah. My Mad Fat Diary. I think. And she was also in a good little Benedict Cumberbatch film that came out recently called The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. Mm. And just a really good actor. And she is playing a Glaswegian Because uh, she is Scottish herself. She plays a lady wrestler. You know, sort of put in that sort of Klondike Kate... Yeah. Sort of apparel look. But she's also... huge fantasy enthusiast, and I was kind of wondering, I guess I get the connection, but then in the third episode, what they established is that she is the writer of the show. Yes, yeah. Because that was one of the things, it was very hard to get a grasp of what these shows were. Like, they they could only be an hour long or so, because Mm -hmm. there was only three of them, and at one point they do say, it's only an hour show, so we don't have to worry. And because they get booked for a residency of three shows a day, for all seven days of the week, yes she has to write 21 episodes and she assumes that everyone's like returning for the same shows so she comes up with she's you know it's like
1: charlie's she yes yes exactly like i was going straight for that
0: she's introduces time travel and yeah
1: i have that down as her vince russo moment in yes. my notes
0: but at work because she's already into fancy so obviously she's kind of into that sort of science fiction noodley yeah and so the idea that she's a creative person that likes fantastical stories so i like that but that was really the only episode that played that that i can recall that she was the writer that she was the creative force behind it
1: it's well the creative force they do ask her to do the logo for for boss wrestling but in episode two
0: yeah, so she's the most artistically creative person out of all of them. And, like, wrestling is just a, a, another place for her to be creative, it seems. Yeah. And she's also very, like, sexual and mm. she, like, does a sacrifice. Because... Then they do the fifth episode, which I think was probably the one that they were probably, maybe the right it's one of those ones that you feel like writers love this episode. Yeah. Where they take them out of their elements and then it's just them being characters. It's like the community episode where they leave the college for the first time and they go to a bar. Mm. So it's seeing them outside of their set location and you really just allow them to wallow in the characters. Yeah. And again, it's good. But again, this is, what, six 21-minute episodes. So this is like a, just basically a two-hour film where they've crammed in six lots of storylines for each episode, plus an overarching storyline. Mm. If I was in charge of the show, if I was suddenly brought in as a producer, if I'm like Michael Grade and Ben Elton coming into the second series of Blackadder and saying, this is a lot of everything, for this to work, it needs to the budget needs to be slashed. I, I mean, you can't slash this budget any further. Yeah, But if I was in charge of DP series two, I wouldn't like not to write it, but just tell them what to do. I would say the characters get a contract for a residency at that holiday camp. The whole of the second series is set in that holiday camp over three months. Nick Nitro comes crawling back with his tail between his legs, because I think there's more to that character. Now he's at his lowest point. Yes. Where he has to rebuild himself. Then you're able to play with the brother, sister dynamic more because they're only face to face with each other in episode 1, episode 5 and episode 6 I think.
1: What's the episode where they celebrate the birthday? That no that is episode 5, you're right. Sorry. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's episode 5, yeah. Where Max is on a date in an Indian restaurant and it turns out literally every other character is there for and then then they re- then the big reveal that it's because Ivan just gave them all Leafless. vouchers. That's I like um
1: because he's that's like the whole digger Uber thing where I can't remember the name of the app he's on where he's like I get paid two pound fifty an hour minus commission of course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that like minus commission. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
1: uh, where uh, and obviously Jack's like basically initially uh, dating his his mirrored twin.
0: Yeah, so I would yeah I would just set it in the holiday camp because then you can have a lot of fun with the camp itself. And I always thought, of all the characters, Ivan's, I was always surprised that Max and Ivan gave themselves two characters, especially at the start, that felt like the two almost least important characters or the least funny, the most easily detachable. And Ivan himself was, I thought he was giving himself a character with not much to go, not many places to go. Yeah. In that he always has this cheery disposition. He doesn't have wild mood swings that can allow you to take him down all the different paths. And if he goes down that one place, then there's not that many places you can take him. But what I love is that when he goes to the holiday camp, it's kind of like he's found a new lease online. And he's happy to do anything there. So again, if you set it in that holiday camp, he could literally be doing... He'd be kind of like one of the like the kids in Bob's Burgers, just this eccentric little world to himself. Yes. He is a bit like Gene. That, again, allows you to explore... So you're exploring both the wrestling world, that you can continue, but also, like I said, those holiday camps. And it was those holiday camps that Max was going to and wrestling at, and obviously... And I think, again, that resonates with this episode being, for my money, by far the best one, the one that I would say go with that going forward
1: yeah I, I get that and also it gives them like a settled board to work off of yes
0: yeah because they're always moving around in the first episode they're in one place then they've got to find their home base and they find out the show they're supposed to have the rings not allowed i mean that's proper i thought they were going to play up a lot more of that like mm. pathetic inter-promotional you know spitefulness i have heard, i have heard stories of british wrestling shows where they paid ring manufacturers to not deliver a ring to a particular show i've heard of that stuff and and again i thought that's where they would go down but because they didn't have nick on as much as they anyone else they didn't have the mother was off you know for two episodes she's not there in person she's in the hospital because she has a heart attack at the start of the first episode
1: oh a teddy long level heart attack she goes for it yes (laughs) i think she's meant to like in all fair i don't think that's an over egged pudding i think that was meant to be a flat like because she's a show woman in of in of herself so i think she that's just her nature rather than anything else i felt like i got what they were trying to do i I imagine that was like told
0: that's your selling point that's your through line that's your emotional arc is the family but you can't use two-thirds of this triangle for much of the show Mm. So work with that, which leaves a lot of heavy lifting to Holly's character. Yeah, as well to the show. One of the things, like I said, Max goes out there and in the wrestling show at, at Edinburgh, and Andrew goes. Max can actually wrestle. Yeah, and that's another thing I really want to commend this show for. It seems like everyone on the show was at least to a certain degree trained to do their own stuff. My guess is they can't afford stunt performers that much, <laughs> so they kind of got to do what they can. And so, especially with Max, you Mm. see him doing backflip landing on his feet and, you know, doing dives to the outside and everything.
1: Yeah, and Ben, I mean, a man that muscular, obviously, half the battle's there in terms of, like, looking, like, doing, like, strength moves and looking strong.
0: So, Ben, I believe, was a social media star. He's Mm. Irish, isn't he?
1: Yes, I was trying
0: to point, I was trying to locate his accent and I finally figured it was Irish. Again, his was a character that was, like, he was like he was like really optimistic. Again, he was kind of he was almost a bit too much a, uh, similar to Ivan's character in that he was just cheerily optimistic and getting into weird sort of situations. But his were that he had like an OnlyFans account and he's like,
1: oh, when he squirts that jam donut on himself,
0: yeah. Like Wednesday's Jam Donut Day yeah, or something. But he's just, again, like Ivan's character, a bit too affable and just happy to go with the flow. Like he wrestles a match and then he's given like a like a strap to put on his head because they need him to go
1: out and wrestle another match immediately after. For Ben, episodes four and five, I think. Because he has a really good, that holiday camp is just chalk. Each character has a really good subplot. Whether it's uh, Meyer's obsession with getting that pot of money. Yeah. Clifford drinking himself into oblivion. With Ben, it's eating the strange meats. It's like, oh, have you got any more of the lambfish?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's some way you can, you can go with more of that. And the idea of him doing all sorts of weird stuff. Like, you don't fully know what life he's leading outside yeah. of this world. But it's, but it's making him a lot of money, maybe. Because what I will give him is that he gets the one big why wrestling's great speech yeah in the it's not like a long speech but it's just a simple thing of like how great is this how how wonderful is wrestling that it brings people together and Mm -hmm. do this show and the friends that we make along the way and he's just this great optimistic character again just my my problem is that that wistful optimism is almost exactly the same as ivan's character just going down a different path
1: yeah I, i i know what you mean I, I think with Ben, it's more like, I, I'm big and hot, so I, I'm naturally optimistic, because things just happen.
0: Yeah, Ivan's, yeah, the way Ivan dresses up his character, he looks like a bit of a,
1: not the brightest. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas he's not, like, hot. And obviously, he it's more yeah. like a downtrodden, down-on-his-look guy, but will always, like, see the bright side of things. His relationship with his dad in episode three oh god he he just he just wants his dad to love him so much and it's just so so gutted
0: yeah it's not will smith's how come he don't love me man (laughs) heartbreak at the end but
1: no that stands alone but
0: and they tried to build up a like him and max as best of buds and again i think it's it's a great sign of their um lack of selfishness that they, they have cast characters that, like, Max is maybe fourth on the call sheet and Ivan is maybe eighth on the call yeah. sheet. On their show, they haven't given themselves, like, all the big... I mean, Max is, is in the romantic Will They Won't They, but mm. he's definitely not the driving force of the show. No. It is about the female. And, and he's not all that she's obsessed about. It's like a little side thing. That doesn't take up a whole life like it does for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. He uh, well, that and his 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 own fear. Like he's getting over his own like ring anxiety as well.
0: And also, what was it? He was dumped, but he wasn't jilted at the altar. I can't. He was just
1: before the, the altar. So that there was the yeah. wedding was there. They didn't get married, but she just got cold feet at the last second.
0: Yeah, I wonder why they went with that. You'd think it would be more emotionally damaged, especially like being humiliated in front of loads of people. Yeah, which is what happens when you jilted at the altar. Would make more sense. Well,
1: it basically was jilting at the altar because it, now he, he says he he's the one that had to go out and announce it to everyone, and that was humiliating for him.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just remember they said he wasn't at the like he was like but he was like even worse. But I was trying to remember. You know, yeah, I, I didn't take that many notes. I wish I'd written down more of the one-liners because there are more than I'm not able to remember. But um...
1: the CBD uh, tablets, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. dirt, like dirt. Teeth, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: another fun cameo as well from Matt Lucas.
1: So good, John Thompson's cameo for emotional story development is very important and he's very 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 good but if you're talking pound for pound a jokes per minute laughs per minute ratio i give the edge to lucas superb as the car park administrator as a man who works in the council i have seen people like that <laughs> there are jobs worse in every form of life
0: yeah it's not the not the most original character in the world whereas you know, so we about John Thompson's character, even if that's like the deadbeat dad is a, is a tr- trite one, not quite in John Thompson's presentation. Of yeah. it I think, again, if you, if you fix it at that location in the holiday park and then you bring characters into it, because like I said, that's why the John Thompson one worked, because you took it, you brought him into the established character. So you could have like every episode is someone comes in to help them for that week in the holiday camp. Mm. You could have an uh, you know uh, an ex WWE American wrestler like really down on his luck or something in another episode. Yeah, you could bring John Thompson's character back,
1: or even um, like a particular guest interacts with someone in a certain way or something like that.
0: Yeah, you could have someone come in as like a proper say that the number one fan also rents out the ho- the the holiday place so that she can see every show, and so again. She can have like a, a a relationship going on with the writer, uh, Bertha.
1: They do that though, don't they? Because that's where Bertha's uh, reality collapses in the holiday camp episode, where she points out a flaw.
0: N- no, isn't it Max that points out the flaw?
1: Oh, got it. No, it is Max. Sorry, sorry.
0: Yeah. So instead, they could have it. But you can also maybe for one episode introduce a smarky guy who's like giving them star ratings, and it really obsesses <laughs> all of them <laughs> <laughs> one episode. Yeah. Depictions of the wrestling, like I said, it's like uh, outside of the holiday camp shows. I haven't seen a show with that few wrestlers that can work, and it does. It also seems more along the lines of the uh, how wrestling seems to work. You walk like a panther, so everyone's out there all the time, and it's like an yeah. ongoing gauntlet match or something. But the action's really good. Yes, and I do get a sense of these are the sort of characters that maybe Max has encountered during his times running, driving down the roads with wrestlers. Oh yeah. So overall the first two episodes aren't good, but I will overall give the show a seven out of 10 episode four. I'll go up to an eight. I would say watch that episode. If you like that episode at the very least watch three, five and six as well. Yeah, Maybe watch the whole show. But episode four, in the holiday camp, that's what I would like the show to be going for. Mm. Either set in the holiday camp or of that level of quality lines, now defined characters that you can see going out into their own little worlds. Yeah, they're,
1: fresh, they're, they're a bit fleshed out now, which is good. And... Yeah, the way, it's open ended the way they wrote the story, because at the end, it's like, oh, we're still like boogered buggered financially, aren't we? Well, yeah, I gave away all the merch. But but because it's <laughs> because it's pro wrestling and because it's so wacky, you can easily like just make a series too. like it's it's not like um, someone's been gunned down or something like that. You know what I mean? Like You've got space. You've still got space.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't need to be a success. I think, it's very, it's like, I think one of the cleverest thing, one of the wisest things they did in 30 Rock was made it clear very early on that this was a terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> there's too many farts in the fart machine! <laughs> Whereas the other show that was set in a SNL-like program that came out that year was Studio 60. And in that, this is like the most devastating satirical comedy... It was written by Aaron Sorkin. So, they were trying to do the West Wing for SNL. And Ooh. the West Wing doesn't work for SNL.
1: No. <laughs> oh, that one! Yes, yes. I knew it was Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, many Studio
0: 60 shows. Yeah. <laughs> that were confusing you. <laughs> yeah, I hope this gets a second series. I think a lot of stuff on British TV doesn't get any kind of chance and a lot of people won't give this show a chance based on the first episode which is also it's not terrible but it's just pilot sitcom itis yeah
1: everyone has that handicap it's just how you overcome it
0: yeah and like i said i think i think it's better to do a show that starts off like six months a year into whatever situation they're in and then you write the episode where they all meet each other later on in the show where you can then play with what the characters are now against what they were. Like, you know, I think at the end of series three, two or three of Frasier, they ended it with the first show that Frasier did, Mm. like coming into the studio. Whereas when you go into series one of Frasier, he's several months into the show at that
1: point. Yeah. Friends did a really good one where Janice goes, who's almost slept with each other out of all of you. That's a really
0: good flesh out episode. Well, any time when they can go back to Fat Monica, you know that they're just having the time, especially Courtney Cox is having the time of her life when she gets to play that. So that's, I think if I was to write a sitcom script now, which I have tried to do in the past, I would do that where Mm. you go in, no more than one character in the show is being introduced to everyone else in this world. You don't even have to do that. And that's not to say there aren't great examples where it has worked. Community did that. But, you know, that's because Dan Harmon's like a pop culture savant and so yeah. he just basically tried to make The Breakfast Club but condense it to 20 minutes and <laughs> widen the age range of the characters. Arrested Development's brilliant from the start. Yeah. But that that had the benefit of Ron Howard's narrator being able to tell you everything in a minute of narration as opposed to characters sort of unnaturally having to get stuff out.
1: Yeah. I do like... We, we've not really talked a lot about uh, Maya, the MC slash ref.
0: Yeah, she's fine. Again, she's given like a characteristic, but uh, she's never the focal point of anything in this show. No. Other than she's just... She's a she's a business person, mm. social media person. But I didn't get a sense one way or the other if she's actually good at a job or bad at a job. And usually it's much better if they're bad at their jobs. Yeah.
1: I think she's good at her job but that highlights how like wacky and naff the whole thing is i think that's how it sort of works
0: yeah but too often the women end up being the competent ones in the show
1: i mean Uh, jack's jack's except for his crippling anxiety jack's very competent i think he's like the silent glue you just said crippling anxiety
0: (laughs) that's my point like Obviously, the leading central focal character usually needs to be a bit more grounded and that is what Holly is and she also turns out to be amazing at wrestling. I did like that everyone knew that it was her under the mask. Yeah. Fairly early on. Like, it's not a big revelation to everyone, but at the same, you know, I thought it would be funny if, like, literally, you know from the start... Everyone knows from the start that it's not... Mm. It's like how, it, uh, in Arrested Development, literally everyone knows that it's Tobias that's dressed, dressed up as Mrs. Featherbottom, but they play <laughs> along. Whereas with... I think that would have been a funnier way to do it, but, uh, you know, I'm fine with what they were doing. But it was kind of like a... you got to follow on a conceit that wasn't actually a conceit, and it's another thing where you're just asking for you to accept... Sitcomitis world where yeah. people just don't say the situation that they're in which it would solve 90% of all problems but yeah I think I think this is a show with a lot of potential and I as I would say watch episode 4 that would be what I would say at the very least I very much recommend episode 4 of this mm. the episode is called The Tour yes so give that a go if you like that watch the rest of the show at least for episode 3 and let's get our fingers crossed that they do get a second series because pretty much all of the issues are ironed out by this point. And there are loads of characters that can you can have a lot of fun with. The old grizzled veteran who's drunk and misses his days at the spotlights. You know, you could bring in one of his old like his old tag team partners yeah. or something,
1: you know. Alright, long lost I was gonna say long lost son, but we sort of had long lost father like in episode one. I don't know how many times you want to go there that well necessarily.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, it's you know, there's only, even if it's the longest running British sitcom of all time, they'll only make seven episodes, so we've only got one more left to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it for this episode, Simon. If people have any suggestions of sitcom pilots episodes that they think are perfect examples and they want to send some recommendations for you for that how can they do so
1: they can get in touch with me on twitter where i'm so known as simon cross free free for the number of different animals in each meet at the uh, holiday camp buffet
0: my name is lorcan mullen that's lorcanmu at the end of ivan that's my twit, And it is Ivan, by the way, not Ivan, because his uh, Ivan, he's of South American heritage, which may have been where the Argentinian thing came from as well, I suppose. And it's pronounced Ivan in that country, not Ivan, ah, like okay. in uh, Russian countries. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you're putting it at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtwisepod at gmail.com. Lmtwisepod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. For the next episode, we'll be back to Match of the Week, and it's a WWF pick involving women wrestlers. But, believe it or not, it is not from the 21st century, but it is worth a discussion. Simon, what match are we talking about next time? Now, many
1: people will know this. Even if they've not seen the match themselves, they'll they'll have heard the legends of these matches. and Perhaps the people who got inspired as a result of it, we are talking about Alundra Blaze taking on Ball Nakano.
0: It's SummerSlam 1994, and for a lot of wrestling fans like myself, seeing Bull Nakano for the first time was quite an eye-opening experience. But until then, there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen.
1: My name's Simon Cross.
0: Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time, and until the next time, the balcony is closed. (laughs)